Welcome back to Technotopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Charlie White. He's former writer and editor for Mashable and Gizmodo, and he's a consultant. This is Technotopia. Technotopia is brought to you by Happy Fun Corp. Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York, that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the internet in a fun new way, or software that will interface with a new piece of top-secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Fun Corp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com. Welcome to Technotopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. This week we have Charlie White. He's a writer and a consultant. I've known him for a number of years. He used to work with me at Gizmodo. Uh, welcome, Charlie, to the show. Hey, it's great to be here, Johnny. I've heard a lot about your podcast. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. So we're so you're you live in the Midwest, right? So you're not you're not a uh, you're not a you're in the flyover country, as they call it. Ah. That's what you guys out on the <laughs> on the right coast call it. This is the most beautiful place on earth right here. I'm right near Milwaukee. And we have the most beautiful fall we've ever seen. And the people here are very nice and everyone's above average. Everyone's above average. Well, you know, I've I've yeah. I've listened to that podcast as well. That was a proto podcast. Yes. Yes. Of course. <laughs> on the FM radio. Yeah, so, I've been happy here for a long time. You know, I, I live here, what we call it the Midwest Test Facility. And I've reviewed products and written stuff and, oh, you know, I've had a few million words published about all kinds of consumer electronics and things like that. And it's a great place to do business here. We have a good airport. I have a good, fast internet connection. I, I think I'm living the dream here of Technotopia because I don't have to be there in the middle of New York City with all the noise and hustle and bustle. I can be out here where it's quiet and I can think and I can write and I can walk. So hey, I'm not complaining. But arguably, Charlie, and, and I don't, I don't want to get, I don't want to defend New York too much because it's kind of a dump. Um, huh. But <laughs> my but thoughts are, exactly. But You're arguably, reading my mind. this is this is a this is a topic that we've we've discussed multiple times on the show. Oh yes, your lifestyle is being recreated around the world. Uh-huh. The idea of having a big house with a fast internet connection, with an acceptable airport, with a cultural life. Uh, it's being recreated around the world, but it's it's spread very thin, like a like a layer of jam. And we're yeah. and you have it. Milwaukee has it, for example. Chicago has it. Uh, right. Raleigh. Um, let's give it to St. Louis, even though that they're a little bit rough recently. Uh, you have a few other cities that have this have this futuristic. Everything is going to be okay. Uh, mm-hmm. World. Uh, if the if the polar ice caps melt, Minnesota is going to be or Milwaukee. Where's Milwaukee? Wisconsin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've so, been here. What, what know, do you think? You've I, been right here at the Midwest Test Facility. So, Stayed here. So I've been to your house, and it was very very pleasant. I was very very uh-huh. pleasant to be out in the in the country to have that that's access to to countryside. Yeah. Uh, but the city itself, the city itself, I felt a little bit limiting. Right? Would would you would you agree, or is or am I just was was it just that brief period? Well, I think if you're talking about highly specialized things, like if you want to take a class in underwater basket weaving, we don't have that here. Mm-hmm. But Milwaukee is a cosmopolitan city with with a baseball team, a major league baseball team. We got NBA. We have the Packers, which used to play here a couple of times a year. We have a world-class symphony orchestra, a great opera, which we went to the other day. 
we have every a ballet. We have a lot of money going into the arts here. So we really aren't lacking for anything here. Okay. Anything major, you know. So that I don't see that as a disadvantage here. And we don't have tro- trouble with traffic. And we don't have overcrowding. You can always find parking spaces here. The, the climate's harsh. Okay. But yeah, it's harsh. But that's but, with the humanity. You are usually inside of a nice house. So... Yep. So if so if, if my if the supposition is that the that the world becomes more like your house out in the country, what needs to happen for that to happen? And can can a city like Milwaukee support a lot of you guys uh, versus I guess a working class economy which is quickly going away? Well, I. I don't know. I think I think it all boils down to everyone making enough money to be happy. And there was a study done that forty five thousand dollars is the amount of money that it takes to be happy. So you don't have to struggle. So you don't have to worry too much about money. So the way to find this utopia, I think, is to have a world sort of like the economic system of Star Trek, mm-hmm. where there are machines that can replicate almost everything manufacturing is a totally different thing where it doesn't require any human beings. So there is a, an abundance of everything. And somehow they've worked out their political system. So there's not all of the profits going to just 1% of the population, but it's somehow, they don't mention how, I guess, but it's somehow spread out among all of the people. So why couldn't we do that here? People talk about a basic income, but my point is, yeah, basic income sounds like a great idea, but how much are you talking about? If you're talking about $10,000, well, everybody's going to be poor. You'll have a whole country full of poor people, which is mm-hmm. what we are now, sort of, and then the 1% living like kings. Or if it's $45,000, you will have a country full of happy, content people who aren't really wanting for anything. And everybody has like a 3D printer in their house. They can print whatever they want. And then all you need to do is just find love and happiness and you'll be in nirvana. And so, so where are we going to get this? And I, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm fine. I want to go to nirvana too. I really enjoyed it. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but where do we get the cash to pay 42,000 to everybody? Well, I think there are too many people in the world, so we somehow have to get control of that. There are limited resources, and there always will be. But I think, I I really like to think that the future is bright, and there's going to be automation. There's going to be robots that do a lot of the work, a lot of the drudgery that human beings do. And there is plenty of money on the planet here. It's just that some people have an overabundance of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean... Does Phil Knight, the uh, the guy who started up Nike, does he really need twenty four billion dollars? And he's only the twenty fourth richest guy in the world. <laughs> okay. Now I guess he's a bad example because he gives away a whole lot, hundreds of millions of dollars. He's like one of the giveaway kings of the sure. world. But but maybe we could figure out a way where people who have excessive amounts of money might want to contribute a little more to a society where more people can be happy and live in luxury. Um, you know, maybe by uh, raising taxes somehow on people who have such abundance. I mean, maybe I'm kind of a socialist, 
I did work for Bernie Sanders for a while, so I gotta, yeah. I gotta, you know, try not to say too much stuff about that. But don't you think that would be a way to do to get toward a better middle class, a stronger middle class of people, so that we all could enjoy this abundance? See, that's so. That's a that's a it's a beautiful sentiment. I would I wonder what folks like us can do to forward that, and what folks like. Uh, I don't know some of the some of the lower classes of Milwaukee can do to forward that. I'm sure, I'm absolutely positive that there would be an impetus to impetus towards a uh, towards that if everybody was on board. But it, but I think mm-hmm. I think one of the tricks that you just said, we're all manufacturing. We have manufacturing robots, right? So we have gray goo that makes manufacturing th- things. That's and, what I see. Yeah. And then poor Phil Knight, Phil Knight doesn't have any uh, doesn't have any uh, cash anymore. He doesn't make shoes anymore. He basically makes the patterns for shoes and sends them out to the machines. Yeah. Is that well, a is that a concern or is or do we basically or do we basically just go past money in the next twenty years and we say to ourselves there exists a certain finite amount of value that we can send back and forth between each other and this value is everyone gets some every year. And you work from there. Well, I think if we're entering a post-capitalist society, right? Well, that's what I'm hoping for. And, and the, the, well, let me unpack your question. The first thing you asked was what can the lower middle-class people here in Milwaukee do about that? And the Mm -hmm. answer to that, I think is very simple. They have to get out and vote. God damn it. (laughs) You know, there are so many more middle and lower class people then there are the top 1% just by definition. Why don't, why don't we vote? Let's make it easier to vote. Let's, let's have some bulletproof way of voting with your computer. Or let's have a national holiday where people vote, when people vote. You know, I mean, that right there, if the middle class and lower classes would vote, every single one of them, if, it were, if you'd get a reward for voting or if you'd get fined for not voting, there would be real change in the world. Because right now, the, the people who vote the most are older people like me, rich people. They vote all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's just the people's voice is not really being heard. And I, I think a second thing people, middle class, lower class people could do is work to convince their peers and other people to vote and to learn what's going on in the world and, and how everybody is being screwed by the top 1%. You know, corporations have turned into de facto governments. And so instead of having elected officials who we can fire, there are rich people in, tra- in charge of corporations who we can't fire, who are making decisions, who are making healthcare decisions for all of us instead of doctors. They're controlling every aspect of our lives. So people are starving to death in what's supposed to be the greatest country in the world here. It's possible to change that, though, yeah. is what I'm saying. It doesn't have to be this way. It's very hard to change, though, because those people have so much power, they have control of everything here. So the only way to change that really is for people to vote. So this is the op- this is the Optimist podcast. Uh, but, oh, okay. But, I guess no, I'm it's going fine. into no, the dark fine. side. I know, I know. I like that. I like it. I like it. It's, this is this is perfect because that 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 has that gives a definite mission. And one of the one of the visions that I would have for a for a better future would be instantaneous, uh, identifiable voting for all kinds of stuff. 
That's so, what I see. So, so we're hey, we're about to go to war with uh, with Iran. What sh- should we do it? And you just press a button, and and you don't do it. So, yep. <laughs> so, or how do you feel today? And if millions and millions of people are respond to this respond to this thing, you can actually get a temperature. You can take a temperature of the wor- the world. That's true democracy, see, isn't it? That's absolutely the true democracy, and it and it breaks down a lot of the a lot of the national barriers and a lot of the cultural barriers that we see. But what does what does the world look like in twenty years? You're you you still got a good twenty years in you, I think. And, uh, and I, I think wanna, so. And I, yeah. want, I want <laughs> I you so. to I want you to say what the what the, what your world is going to look like uh, in the next twenty years. Well, twenty years from now, I'll be eighty years old. So, first of all, I don't want to drive a car anywhere. Mm-hmm. When I'm eighty years old, I will suck at driving. I'm not that great of a driver now. I don't drive that much. So, first of all, I would like to have Uber come over and pick me up anytime without a driver in it. You know, just let me, uh, there'll be cars riding all around and one will come pick me up whenever I want to go somewhere. I think a lot of things will be delivered, maybe by drone. Maybe that's a crazy idea, but I think, you know, we're moving here, out here, toward having a lot of things delivered. We use Amazon Prime, you know, and... We have a lot of groceries delivered that are cheaper than we can get anywhere here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so I see a situation where if we want to go somewhere, if we want to drag our carcasses somewhere, it'll be for leisure, not really for, you know, having to. Not really. We'll go to live performances and things like that. But I don't think people will have to drive to work as much as they do. And there won't be any driving to do. That's the way I see it. And. I see uh, a lot more leisure for all of us because I think what's happening now is people are doing meaningless jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are make work jobs. There are people whose job is to inspect. And then there are a whole lot of other people whose job it is to inspect the inspectors. I didn't make this up. I can't remember who said that, but I think doesn't that, was, that, that seem was an Elvis Costello song, right? Was it? Watch, I don't watching know. the detectives? <laughs> it, maybe it is. But, but, but just think about every job, almost every job just involves inspecting this or inspecting that. And a lot of jobs don't involve making anything at all. Mm-hmm. And a lot of jobs like driving, people drive trucks and cars and stuff. What is that, 20% of the, of the workforce? They're drivers? That's, uh, well, remember that the vast majority... Uh, of males, uh, I think it was 1836, are basically in, are basically driving. So I think it's like 50 to 60 percent, right? So are actually driving yeah. trucks. So we're we're heading up. We're heading to a place where, yeah, you're going to have a lot of leisure time because you're not going to be driving a truck anymore. Yeah, and well, then what is the healthcare industry in the U.S.? What is that? 25 percent of the economy, mm-hmm. and, and I think the bulk, you know, a lot of those people are bureaucrats working for the hundreds of insurance companies pushing paper around they're not going to have any work that will have to that'll all have to be one company that'll have to be just like in the rest of the developed world will have to be one healthcare system that controls prices because this is crazy you can't have you can't have people make a profit off others misery yeah healthcare so, healthcare so, was uh, was 3 3.0 trillion uh, dollars in 2013. That's 9,500 per person. God, that's 
That's an astonishing <laughs> number, man. I had no idea. <laughs> it's hard to even imagine one trillion. Yeah, we just got Good a little Lord. Uh, a little goo goo foo. Okay, but but I guess if you look at all that, this is this has to go to a basic income. Either that, or there'll be fifty percent unemployment. You know, just for for uh, several industries that we've mentioned. So, you know, it seems to be like there's going to have to be some big changes, and I don't know. You know, Switzerland had. Uh, an election for basic income just a few months ago and voted it down. So I'm not sure if there are many people outside of my own bubble who would be in favor of such a thing. And alas, of course, we did get 50% unemployment, don't well, you think? Well, Switzerland's about as big as uh, Switzerland's about as big as Milwaukee anyway. So it's not like no, true. And they all there's there's basically only two jobs you can do. There are three jobs you can do: make chocolate, you can work in a bank, or you can uh, watches, and you can make watches. So <laughs> the <laughs> So the so the mission there is to, to for them to have not have a minimum requirement is 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 kind of a no brainer because basically everybody can be feasibly employed in some sort of industry that isn't going away except for maybe the watch industry but we'll see how that works. But isn't that an interesting test case? You know, sort of a focus group where they voted it down, and it sounds to me like what you're saying is they have good reason to have a basic income there. Well, they don't have actually don't have good reason because oh, they don't. I I'm see. sorry. Yeah, so okay. you're, so you're automatically you're kind of promised a job. Oh, uh, oh, I thought you meant there weren't that many things they could be doing. No, no, there. And, I I, and I think yeah. it's a fairly homogenous society. There's all sorts of there's there's none of the there's none of the problems with globalization over in Switzerland because they're still stuck in the nineteen nineteen oh I don't know nineteen tens essentially. <laughs> so craftsmanship. So, so it's fairly it's yeah it's fairly homogenous. Mm -hmm. uh, I would argue something like a Germany. Uh, could do with a minimum income. I know that, and I know Brazil has minimum income. Um, I think I don't know if I mentioned this, but it's basically you get five hundred dollars a month to not work, essentially, and you get three hundred dollars if you work. So oh, you kind of. So have, why would somebody want to work under those conditions? But there are still people working, <laughs> so that's the trick. People are still working, and people are still thinking thinking ahead. And they still see the value in in doing things. It's really really hard when I go to when I travel to different countries. It's really, really hard in countries that have uh, massive num amounts of national resources, um, <clears throat> oil, coal, I guess, wood, whatever, whatever you have there, um, or have a history of socialism slash communism. Uh, yeah. It's really hard for them to do startups, startups in a global sense where they think, where they think in a global way, because the only thing, the only examples that they had was local successes uh, where some guy made like a, I don't know, a shoe store online and he became the number one shoe store guy. Or yeah. there's really no way that you can think globally and there's no, there's no impetus to, to do startups in those situations. In Norway, for example, there's not a big startup scene because when you go to a job, you stay at the job until you die. And anyway, you also have a minimum income because you basically, so you don't have to worry about it. So to a degree, uh -huh. that kind of stifles innovation. But to another degree, it kind of frees up people who are really, really into it and and you still get innovation out of these countries. You just don't get it. That's as what I like. Yeah, it, it frees up people. And it's not a do or die situation either. It's they're doing something because they're passionate about it. And mm -hmm. I think it's going to open up not only things in the business world, like what you're talking about, but for creative people, people who want to, say, play an instrument and get really good at it. And I used to be a musician for 20 years, so I, I know what it takes to be really good 
at playing an instrument. If someone is working a job and they're inspecting the inspectors all day, they can't follow their creative impulses. Mm -hmm. But a world where there's basic income would be one where people could follow the things they're really passionate about and we could be a different society where people then are, are making beautiful art. They're painting stuff. They're playing instruments. They're getting really good at it instead of amateur hour. You hear people who are monster guitarists or saxophonists or whatever because they practice eight hours a day. They have that kind of time. Or people like me who will walk, who walk, who make a goal to walk 10,000 miles and, can, and actually do it. I haven't done it yet. I'm almost 5,000 miles at this point after two years. But this is the kind of thing that will happen. People will be doing great things. They won't have to worry about the basic necessities of life or starving to death. They'll be free to do all kinds of things, just like what you're saying with business. Like a guy wants to have the best shoe store in the world. Maybe he's always wanted to do that. He's free to do it now because he's not worried about his family starving to death. All right. Well, that's actually one of the – that's a very inspiring and uh, and – I think I, I don't think we did a lot of detail in this podcast, but I think we got I think we got a lot of inspiration. I think there's I think there is there's something to be said for this for the income the income idea uh, yes. that's coming up. Mm-hmm. So I would I would argue that we're going to have that in a that's that might be the the best way to the future, really. I think I agree with you. I think it's going to be politically difficult to make that happen, but I do think the younger generation that's coming up now will be in favor of such a logical thing. And I think as time goes on and things are more automated it'll become increasingly obvious that that's the only solution. All right, Charlie, you gave us a lot to think about. Uh, I'm glad. This, Good. Where, where, where are you online anymore? Are you running around? CharlieWhite.net. Are you doing and this? I, I remember there was a, uh, there was a five, uh, a, a, a uh, top five coolness countdown. Whatever happened to that? Oh, well, you know, we're putting that on hiatus for a little while and (laughs) because I became more politically active. And now I'm I'm actually um, working on the legalization of recreational cannabis. And if you go to it, well, actually in Nevada is, is our target right now. I'm helping people put together websites that um, address activists and growers and things like that. You can look it up at CannabisReviewJournal.com is one of the sites I'm working on now. And I'm looking into that industry, which is quite interesting and, and also I think will be part of the future. All right, sounds great. So this has been Technotopia with Charlie White. He's a uh, consultant and writer and uh, one of a, a very close friend. Yes. We will see you you guys. Thanks for listening. We will see you guys next week. Bye.